If you have not gone on yet and rated the pod, subscribed to the pod, and shared it with your friends, if you could do that post-haste, that would just be awesome. If As you know, enough, I do feel strongly that we should have it at the beginning of every episode somewhere. And I feel strongly that we shouldn't have it at the beginning because it feels like pandering. <laughs> everybody does it there. Well, everybody does a lot of stuff. If people jumped <laughs> off a cliff, Scott, would you jump off with them? That would depend on the height of the cliff and what's at the bottom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, one of your hosts. And I'm Scott Nelson, I'm your other host. Great. And today on the podcast, there's a big day at the state capitol, and really we're just going to kind of commiserate about what didn't happen there today and try to bring you up to date. At some point, I think, Scott, we'll get back to some education and talk about other issues, but being as today is... By my count, day 167 of Budget Watch 2017, this really is the pressing issue. I mean, it's just it's just horribly frustrating. You know, we've been in special session now for five weeks. We've spent you know close to a million bucks um, on on you know extra monies that we we literally don't have because we already have a 215 million dollar budget hole. Um, today looked like it was going to be the day where there might be some movement. Um, and then it just wasn't uh, the the measure, the measure failed, and we're we're literally at the same place that we started. Right. So yeah, that's the end of the story. Is that the the big budget bill, the compromise bill, the um, oh, what's the other term? The I grand say? bargain. Grand bargain. That's right. That bill failed. Uh, that's really the end of the story. <laughs> the, so, the bill that, despite that name, was arguably neither grand nor a bargain. No, and so maybe maybe that's the way to do this, is to start at the end and then work our way back. And the end point is it failed, but well, it failed by five votes, six votes, really. Yeah, yeah 76. Um, but... No, it was 71-27 was the final. Was it 71? Okay, yeah. I thought it was still 70. So, yeah, it, so it, it failed. Like okay, Martinez so it, switched right at the end. Oh, right, that's right. So it failed by five votes. Um, we were literally five votes down, which we both said is literally a West Wing episode a particularly good west wing episode it is and we would watch that tomorrow night for our west wing watch party at the weather district but we won't um because shibboleth is better and less depressing right because i think we need some hope and i will be tweeting that here shortly god shibboleth is such a good episode it's a great episode it's the thanksgiving day episode and by the time both of our listeners hear this podcast it will already have been passed and they won't care anyway so Although, if anyone knows Rishi K. Shirway or um, Josh Molina and could get them to come on the pod for us, I would just, God, that would be awesome. I have my uh, my brown corduroy uh, uh, sport coat in the car with my West Wing Weekly lapel pin already on it because the lapel pin is official from the podcast. And as we know, brown corduroy sport coats are the official sport coat of Let's Fix This. That's that's true. We all have one. And have we one. all wear it any chance we get. You have one too, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I have so, both corduroy and tweed. Ooh. I do love some tweed. I mean... The Brits know their fashion. Not so much their gen- dental hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, the back to the vote. So, the vote <laughs> failed... Uh, by five votes uh, on this big measure, and this was the the tobacco fee, cigarette. It was a cigarette fee, and there's some um, what do they call them? Like small cigars or something. Yeah. Um, and, ooh. Uh, was there also some smokeless tobacco in there? I read. I think on, so. Anyway, we'll alcohol. Say, so yeah, basically uh, smokes, booze, and um, fuel. So. Uh, those were the three ways we were getting revenue. We were also spending more money on a teacher pay raise. Did you and, did you mention the growth protection tax increase? Oh, and the, yeah, sorry, and the GPT. Yes, how could I forget the most contentious part of the bill? So cigarettes, three two beer, fuel, gross production tax is how we were getting money in this revenue bill, and then it was going to have a trailing bill um, for us to give a pay raise to teachers and a pay raise to public employees. That trailing bill obviously was not heard because the first bill with the revenue didn't pass today. So this is the bill that stalled out in House JCAB last week, I guess. The Senate passed it this week, sent it to the House and said, hey, we passed it overwhelmingly. You should vote for it too. 
but they didn't. So this is this is interesting. If you find this kind of you know mundane uh, legislative shop talk interesting, which you are listening to the pod, so probably you do. Um, what happened is there was a bill that passed in the House last uh, last week that did not include a gross production tax increase, right? So it had cigarette tax, uh, it had or tobacco tax increase, it had the fuel tax, it had the alcohol tax, um, and that passed the House, but it passed the House with only 54 votes. So uh, when a revenue measure in Oklahoma passes the House of Representatives without a 76 vote um, without 76 eyes, um, it goes to the Senate, okay, um, and it also goes to the vote of the people. So this is a result of State Question 640, which you've heard us talk about many times on the pond. It says revenue measures have to have a three-fourths vote of the legislator, legislature, and all revenue bills have to originate in the House. So this was a revenue bill that passed the House because it got more than 51, but it did not reach the uh, three-fourths threshold to actually go and become law. So the Senate took this bill up. And the Senate, they, um, it was actually, again, it was kind of interesting if you're, if you're, if you follow this stuff and, and find it, you know, the, the kind of the political intrigue or palace intrigue of what happens at the Capitol, if you, if you find that at all interesting. Um, <laughs> palace intrigue. <laughs> a bit like, of an overstatement. You like that? Um, crumbling palace intrigue. Mm-hmm. Um, so what had happened is that uh, earlier this week, Speaker McCall, the leader of the House of Representatives, um, held a press conference in which he excoriated the Senate for failing to pass any of the revenue measures that had passed the House. And these are things like um, basically uh, rainy day funds that had been appropriated, uh, carryover funds that had been appropriated, reappropriating some revolving funds. Not true revenue measures, but uh, spending bills that filled about 70% of the budget hole. The Senate had yet to hear any of those. And Speaker McCall held a press conference where he just excoriated Senate leadership saying, I don't understand why they haven't taken up any of these things. And the House has filled 70% of the budget hold. And about 45 minutes after that press conference, uh, Senate leadership said, uh, Mr. Speaker, we see you and we will raise you. (laughs) So they took up this bill, this revenue bill that had passed the House with 54 votes. They amended Senate rules uh, when they brought it to the floor. Uh, They amended the bill itself by adding a uh, 4% gross production tax to all new wells quickly passed it, sent it back to the House and said, uh, hey, guys, your move. The and House JCAB committee heard the bill yesterday, passed it out of JCAB, and it came to the floor today for a vote. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to some people yesterday, and we almost thought that the Senate might gavel in today and then adjourn entirely, thereby kind of forcing the House's hand of like, listen, we're not going to hear your stuff. We're out. Pass that, and, you know, we're done. Um, and I think that might have been part of the reason why the house decided to hear a different bill on the floor today uh, because that meant that the senate would have to hear it and so it kind of kept them still in the building yeah i'd heard i'd heard that as well the other reason so what just so everybody in case you don't follow this obsessively on twitter what ultimately happened is from a technical perspective the house did not hear the senate bill okay they heard a different bill, which was identical to the to the Senate bill, but it's a bill that had originated in the House and had failed to get out of committee because it tied eleven to eleven in JCAB. Right. The reason that they did that um, is because they wanted to avoid any possible constitutional concerns, um, because revenue bills must start in the House, and so there was a concern that since the Senate had amended the bill that they passed, if it was passed by the House, it would be subject to a constitutional challenge. So the House heard a different bill, a different bill in name, but identical in substance. Right. They passed that from JCAB yesterday and brought it to the floor today. Which is, it's a great example that the uh, Schoolhouse Rock video of how a bill becomes a law is super simplistic and does not necessarily apply to what happens at the state level. Um, We... I talked about this last night at our gearing up for 2018 event with women lead and Oklahoma watch that um, when you get, when it gets down to this point, like all the rules go out the window and we're just making it up as we go along. And like anything can be like uh, amended or 
inject it into a bill and they'll do house amendments. So suddenly the bill just like it went from a shell bill with no language to an actual bill with language. And then we change that language and this conference committee and both chambers can get together and change wording and then poof, it gets passed and they go home and our heads are spinning. Yeah. Yeah. This is one reason. So talking, you know, we, um, we had an opportunity over the past weekend to, to talk with some folks that they're not themselves legislators, but they, are uh, very involved with some of these processes as um, advocates and lobbyists, and they've, they've been around the Capitol once or twice. And it's interesting, they said, and I heard this from two people, actually. You know, I asked them, like, what do you guys think is the problem? Like, why aren't we getting anything done? And both of these guys said the same thing. They said, in their view, the problem is term limits. Um, I think that a lot of us tend to look at term limits as a very good thing, right? It prevents people from becoming career politicians and career public servants where they, you know, kind of kind of gets rid of the person that goes to the Capitol and, you know, sits there as a fat cat for the rest of their days. But it also kind of ignores the fact that term, term limits ignore the fact that government is complicated, right? It's complicated. The levers of government are complicated. And what can sometimes happen is in Oklahoma, when you've got a total of 12 years to serve in both houses, I mean, you can, you can literally spend the first six years or more figuring out just how all this stuff works. Right. And, you know, so there's been a lot of discussion from people who are irritated with the speaker of like, how do we remove the speaker? And the only people that I know that have been like actually exploring that are those that have been there for 10 or 11 years because they even, they know where to look. They're literally the only people that know how to do it. And they are not even sure. Like they're having to like research it um, and it probably won't happen. It's possible, but it's only happened, I think, once before. I mean, and that's one of the reasons when you look at Washington, which obviously, you know, at the federal level, legislators don't have any term limits. That's one of the reasons that some of the most effective and powerful people in both the House of Representatives and particularly in the Senate are the guys that have been there. And I say guys intentionally because it is almost exclusively men, with the exception of Barbara Boxer uh, and Diane Feinstein of California, to a lesser extent, Susan Collins of Maine. It, The only people that know how to pull you know, kind of pull all these strings are people that have made a career out of learning. Right. We, we lambast career politicians, but we celebrate career, everything else there. And I get why, but I think there is something to be said for people who are knowledgeable and skilled at what they do. We just tend to associate that with kind of bad stuff when it comes to politics. Right. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about the federal level specifically, right, look at the, you know, the House Committee on Appropriations and Budget, right, where the federal budget originates. Would you put somebody with no experience at running a company in charge of ExxonMobil, right? right. Would, you, would you put someone with no experience at, at executive experience running a business in charge of a, of a giant head fund, hedge fund? No, no, you wouldn't do that. So why do you want someone, if you, if, you, if you have term limits at the federal level, why do you want someone who served in the House of Representatives for six years in charge of the A&B committee and writing a budget for a federal government with, with appropriations in the hundreds of billions of dollars? Right, and I think that's part of the deal. So typically at the federal level, people who run for office, I think, are those who have been public servants for a long time or maybe in the case of like President Obama, someone who was a constitutional law attorney and pretty knowledgeable. And um, that can be one path to that. Um, the other path is just showing up and getting elected. You could be a rancher or a farmer or someone who makes boots or, you know, whatever, a doctor. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to get there. An LPC? Uh, yes, a licensed professional counselor. I don't think there's many counselors in government, like in elected positions. But how much better would government operate if there were? I don't know. Maybe we're more inclined to listen than debate. I don't know. Maybe they need somebody. So all, all that to say, this this is what happened today. They they brought this bill to the floor, the, uh, the floor of the House of Representatives. Um, there was about an hour of questions on the bill, I think, followed by an hour of debate as well. Um, really, it was so long. It really, it really was. It was long. Um, however, I have to say, I think there was very um, good and certainly very impassioned debate on both sides of, of the aisle, and in and, and not only both sides of the aisle, but people debating both 
for and against the bill. Um, I heard Representative um, uh, Representative Cockroft specifically, um, who is a conservative Republican who does not like tax increases, um, explaining that he was going to vote for the bill. And as he was making his his argument in, in his period of debate, I mean, he listed several constituents, I think five five or six constituents by name and said, I'm voting for this bill for this person and their family, for this person and their family, and for this person and their family. But by the same token, uh, Representative Proctor, who is uh, a Democrat from Northeast Tulsa, who I um, I like a lot, I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for Eric Proctor, he was voting against the bill, and he did the same thing. He said, look, I hear what you're saying, but I can't support this, and here's why. And it's not just kind of you know, theoretical, esoteric, you know, political reasons. It's because of this person who lives across the street from me. Um, you know, this guy specifically who runs a barber shop around the corner, this person and their family are reasons why I don't think this is a fair bill for them. And, and I have to say, as someone who listens to a fair amount of debate at the Capitol and who watches, you know, debate and, you know, reads about the, the proceedings uh, uh, on social media, it was really the outcome, you know, the, the outcome aside it was really refreshing to hear debate today that was not, you know, kind of focused around, well, you know, my caucus can't support this or our caucus can't do this or, you know, I'm philosophically against tax cuts or I'm philosophically against this. It was it was very moving to hear to hear our representatives talking about specific people that they know who are in their districts who we're advocating for them to vote for or against this bill. It's the kind of debate I wish we heard more often. I totally agree. So when I was at the Capitol today, I spoke with a legislative assistant who told me this morning she fielded a phone call from a like a 92-year-old woman, a constituent of, uh, of one of the reps that she works with. And this constituent told her that she lives in a nursing home that if they don't find a fix to this budget situation, her nursing home will close and she'll be homeless. Uh, and so the, the, uh, the LA was just like, ah, what do I, what do I do? You know, the woman was crying and I was crying and do I offer for her to move in with me? Like it, it was a really, a really difficult phone call. I can't imagine what that's like. And that's just one call for one representative. I guarantee all whatever 98 reps there are right now got phone calls like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we, we, we prep before we start recording. Okay. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. And that's not a story that I'd heard before this. And, and, and I'm just sitting here like, I don't know what you say to that. Right. Like, I don't know what, like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm the LA who takes that phone call, if I'm that person's rep, like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what you say. Right. I mean, what um, do you say? And I know that representative voted for the bill for that kind of reason. He's yeah. just, you know what? Like, it's to me, for my constituents, it's unconscionable to vote against this. And I, you know, I told a number of reps that I spoke with that I get why they might vote against for yeah, some of sure. them. Some of, there's a contingent oh, of Republicans that will vote against anything, even if they could tax sin itself and they'd vote against it, which is ironic and that's just a joke. But they, I, for those that had genuine concerns that this wasn't enough, like I get it, but this is what's on the plate and the clock is ticking. Today is the uh, the eighth, and we've just got a you know literally a few more days. We've been dragging this on for seven, eight weeks now. Come on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I totally get why you vote against the bill. There, there are so many reasons to vote against this bill. Number one, I mean, it's a, I mean, just it's a. Uh, we'll believe this later, I guess. It's a. Sh- Shitty bill, okay. <laughs> like this is a this is the definition of a shitty sausage bill, in my personal opinion. Is uh, let's here's what I was gonna say. Let's go through the bill, each of the pieces of revenue, and real quick do the pro and the con for them. So because, and I say just the revenue pieces because the like the pay raises are another bill, and the pro is. People get more money when sure. they haven't had a raise for a decade. That's sure. easy. So um, cigarette tax, um, the the reason for it is it will increase. Uh, we'll say all the tobacco. The argument for uh, increase in tobacco tax is that it generates revenue. It brings in however much millions of dollars. That number has changed a lot. Um, but it's going to bring in money and it will lower smoking rates 
and Oklahoma is one of the high, it's one of the highest smoking rates in the country. So it's good. Brings in money, reduces smoking. That's a win-win. The argument against that, of course, is that uh, that people of lower income, poor people, smoke at a higher rate than rich people do. Uh, uh, to use general that's, terms. I mean that, well, and, and that's just a fact. I mean, that's true in Oklahoma. It's true across the country. Right. And so because of that, it is more of a burden. We'd be raising more tax money from people who are poor. Yes, they could quit smoking, and many of them will, but it doesn't mean that all of them will. And if all of them do, then we don't get the money anyway. So I get that it's a regressive tax because it affects disproportionate. It affects poor people disproportionately. And, and that's my reason for saying, again, this component particularly is shitty, right? But as, it, a, as a doctor, like speaking as a physician, right, do I 100% support getting people to smoke less? Absolutely. Is it been Has it been shown um, repeatedly that using cigarette taxes like this, tobacco taxes, are effective at getting people to quit smoking? Yes, it has one, it's 100% effective. So as kind of a, you know, if you're talking about this, like as a standalone measure that Oklahoma should do, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, you sh- I, I would support that. But as a, as a budget proposal to fill this massive hole that is here now and going forward, it's, it doesn't do that, right? But it gives us money in the short run, which we need, and sure. then we can maybe come up with something else in the long run. So yes, so that's the pro and con for that. Uh, next, let's do the um, the increase on three two beer. So the argument for that is uh, beginning next year when the liquor laws change, the tax rate th- there won't be three two beer, right? Like it doesn't exist anymore. And so they're just going to up yeah. the tax rate on on that beer now, a little ahead of time. So it'll just raise a little bit extra money for the next year or so, and then it'll disappear anyway. Right, and so and one reason, one thing to illustrate that. So if you're talking about the the cigarette tax, so for the remainder of fiscal year 18, the cigarette tax, um, that all the dollar fifty per pack would be estimated to raise eighty one point one million dollars in fifty fiscal years 18. And to point out, it was going to be two hundred and fifteen million, but they. It was unconstitutional, and so we've lost a bunch of months that we could have collected money. Right. And on top of that, any revenue measure takes effect 90 days after the governor's signature. So even if it had passed today, it would be at a minimum of March 1st before they could start actually collecting money from it. Right. So, that's so they why, missed like nine months of the opportunity yeah. there. Um, so in fiscal year 18, the cigarette tax would collect an estimated $81.1 million. In fiscal year 2019, it would collect an estimated $243.5 million. So... It's, it's about three times more fiscal year 19 as it is fiscal year 18, as opposed to the mixed beverage tax on low-point beer. That's estimated to collect $10.9 million in fiscal year 18 and fourteen point five in fiscal year 19. So, but I can't believe it would even collect that much. But, right, because it's not a thing, right? Like, right. Not, well, and, and in every state that's enacted a cigarette tax, the actual return has been much less significantly lower because so, a lot of people quit smoking. But anyway, right. so that's the cigarette tax, and, and that's the mixed beverage tax, and then next is the f- the fuel tax, yeah. gas and diesel. So it'd be a six cents per gallon on fuel on uh, gasoline and diesel. The argument for that is that um, it's more revenue, and Oklahoma's fuel tax rate is substantially lower than all the states around us. Seventeen cents a gallon lower on average. Oh, really? So yeah. even if we bumped it up by six cents, we'd still be eleven cents a gallon lower below average. Okay, yeah. so um, so we're way below average, like we are in many things. Um, so this would generate some money and help bring Oklahoma up a little bit. The argument against it is that one, um, you know, six cents per gallon is a bigger chunk. So it's about $35 a year per average driver in Oklahoma. $35 to someone who makes $25,000 a year is a bigger chunk of change than, because it's about $3 a month, right? So three bucks a month to someone who only makes, you know, 2,000 a month is a bigger chunk of change than Three dollars a month to someone who makes ten grand a month, right? And 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 th- and this doesn't. This is not. You know, this doesn't hit, hit everyone equally as well, right? Like if you live in Oklahoma City and drive two and a half miles to work downtown, and you drive a Prius, right? That's one thing. If you live in a rural town and you drive a Ford three fifty, um, and you drive twenty miles a day, um, that You're gonna pay more, right? Yeah, that's that's a that's a substantial difference, right? Mm-hmm. So and I. 
you know, it's one of those things I totally get. Back in the spring, we did a, uh, a coffee meetup with legislators one morning, and a, and a guy, a constituent came um, who lives uh, south of town and works in oil business somehow. He owns kind of a trucking company, so fuel's a huge part of his business sure, cost, and he was sure. opposed to it back yeah. then when they were talking about it. I was like, man, I get it. He's got a vested interest. For me, not such a big deal. My car's not super efficient, but I'm not... I don't own a fleet of large diesel vehicles. Right, so right. Um, that's where everyone has a different dog in this fight. Uh, and the next part was the um, drills, the increase in gross production tax um, to 4% after 36 months or for a period of 36 months. So that would raise in fiscal year 18 an estimated $2.2 million. $2.2 million with an M, okay? Not billion that's, with a B. $2.2 million with an M, fiscal year 18. 13.4 fiscal year 19. So that's like pocket change. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the reasons that, you know, um, there were five Democrats that voted against the bill. Eric Proctor in his debate specifically cited this. Um, that This is the definition of a, a, a regressive tax. And that's why I would, that's why to me personally, I would say oh, this the is bill the, the bill. Yeah. The bill is, is, is it's a shitty bill because you're talking about um, $454.8 million in fiscal year 19. 13.4 on gross production tax from oil and gas. Literally all the rest of it is from smokeless tobacco, low point beer, gas and uh, diesel fuel tax, little cigars. That's, 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 that's the rest of it. And that's, and that's not to, to say that like, it's not shitty because you only get $13 million from oil and gas. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. But the point I'm trying to make is that of the 454, 250 million of it is the, is the tobacco tax, which is, absolutely disproportionately on low right uh low income folks and then the next biggest portion is 170 million from gas and diesel which is gonna uh, folks that are lower income are gonna feel that a lot more than than folks that aren't i mean the other deal and i had this discussion with a former legislator uh, on monday is that you know we don't want no one really wants to raise most of the taxes on the backs of low income oklahomans the problem is there's a whole bunch of Oklahomans that are low income, right? right like right, we're not right, a rich state. Right. And so if you're going to raise taxes on the populace, it's going to be on the backs of people yeah. that are low. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying right. like we, I, I was watching the, the feed on channel five on KOCO, their Facebook feed of the debate today. Cause they had a more stable connection than the house, <laughs> the house feed was. And so I was watching all the, uh, you know, hearts and angry faces and people voting yeah. And, yeah. and kind of watching the comments and Facebook comments are always a, just a minefield to walk into uh, and really let you kind of get your fingers on the pulse of humanity in a way that you don't anticipate. And l- watching people's comments about like, um, you know, that we should just cut taxes. And I, I think a lot of folks, legislators included, there's a significant portion of folks that genuinely believe that there is so much corruption in state agencies that we can just cut stuff and it would solve the problem. You're referencing Representative Kevin Calvey? Well, God, I really, I don't know that he's ever worked in a state agency. They don't understand, like, yeah, the bureaucracy sucks and the bureaucracy is there generally as as a way to be good fiscal stewards. Obviously, that doesn't always work at every state agency, as we've seen this week at the State Department of Health. Hashtag keep, keep Oklahoma healthy. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That story is developing as we go, and it's a little concerning. But all that other stuff, when, when, when I say that this is a shitty bill, a big part of that is that it is built on, one, I just personally am opposed to a regressive tax system, but two, it's built on assumptions that have been shown over and over again to be really bad, right? Over half of this bill is the estimated revenue from the cigarette tax, which is notoriously unreliable. Now, is it going to hurt a lot of people that this didn't pass? Yes. Do I wish that it had passed? Me personally, yeah, I wish it had passed. Like, so this is the thing, right? And this is where I. But think I'm, a lot I'm of- just, I'm just saying, like, if people who say that they can't vote for it because it's a like horrible bill, I can't look at them and be like, no, no, it's a great bill. Right. It's, uh, it's a. Yeah, it's not great, but it's the best we've got. And so let's do... And we need it, right? Like, we have services that desperately need them. Like this 92-year-old woman that called her 
representative today who's worried she's going to be homeless. Now, what the question that I have now that I and I and I I don't know the answer. And if any of our if either one of our listeners have the answer and, <laughs> and can and can can message us on and let us. Someone just got an email. So, if either one of our listeners have the answer and can let us know, one of the big things that Representative Calvi talked about in his debate today was that he was trying to make the point that cuts are completely unnecessary because there's plenty of cash available. Oh, okay. I'm going to go off on this to, to fill this all. And so, okay, are you, so if you, I know so, I'm not the only you, one. That was, this is why I was angry with uh, Representative Calvi today. We disagree on likely everything. He probably likes Rocky Road ice cream or something. I don't like, but. Um, is Marshmallows and ice cream? No, Let's get serious. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, Why yeah, would you I, do that? I know, right? All right. Um, Ruin a good thing like ice cream by putting marshmallows in it? Right. No. It's unnatural. GTFO. GTFO. Oh, right. Yeah. I had to, I'm too old for these <laughs> acronyms, Scott. Uh, so here's my here's the exception I take with Representative Calvi's position on revolving funds. So he said several times during his debate, and he said it the other day in JCAB, that there's $1.3 billion sitting in revolving funds that he thinks the legislature should raid and pull the money out. And the issue with that is that it's a raid. They're not Vikings. This money goes into those revol- those revolving funds. I'm using air quotes. Revolving funds are basically the bank accounts for tons of state agencies and boards. The, the Professional Counselor Licensing Board has an has a revolving fund. That's because when I pay my licensure fees, it goes into that fund. That's their account. It's a state account. And medical yeah, board is the same way. Medical board's the same way. There's it's like a holding place for your money that you're gonna spend on something later. And when they appropriate money to agencies, it a lot of it goes into revolving funds. It doesn't mean it's just cash sitting around. It means they just haven't spent it yet and they're going to. For example, this is the, and I'll get off my soapbox here. No, no, no. Stay on the soapbox. Last year in 2016, when I first started Let's Fix This, and we started paying attention to all this shui, that uh, the city of Hugo, Oklahoma, had, so their water system, uh, someone had, either they had a bad treatment center or someone had, like, poisoned their water, basically. Like, brown bathtub water with kids in it got um aaron brockovich like the actual aaron brockovich not julia roberts um picked up the story because this company was um uh contaminating groundwater that was going into people's drinking water and so the city of hugo sued them they won the lawsuit uh they settled uh, and i don't so i guess maybe they settled they didn't win anyway they got a bunch of money they had money sitting in an account in a revolving fund that they were going to use. That was their their balloon their down payment on a brand new water treatment center for the town of Hugo because they had brown doo doo water, uh, or I don't what it was. You con- can say shit. I've said it several times. Already I know, on the but doo doo water is funnier, and I don't know what it was contaminated with. But regardless, they were going to build a new treatment center uh, for their water, and then last year the state legislature snatched all the money out of the revolving funds, including that like million dollars or whatever it was for Hugo. So they couldn't build their water treatment center. Like they, that's not money you can take, man. So the fact that they took Hugo's money meant that Hugo couldn't build this water treatment center, which they needed. And so I don't, I haven't followed up to find out where they're at now, but uh, definitely kind of left them uh, in the lurch. I know that the discussion of, what money they were going to take wasn't across the board. They weren't going to snatch all 1.3 billion of it. There was, they recognized there was some they should keep and uh, leave there. But still, I just think there needs to be some due diligence that, and I, in an emergency in the right situation, it's possible. And I, I'm willing to bet there's probably a 50, you know, out of, so 1.3 billion is essentially 1,300 million, right? Just to rephrase it. Right. Out of 1,300, right. there's probably 50 or 70, maybe even 100 million that could be reclaimed and not hurt those agencies. Right. But again, you know, and this comes back to the point that was made several times during debate today, both both today and at JCAB. The state of Oklahoma, we're not in the budgetary position that we're in because cigarettes are too cheap or because gas is too cheap, right? And we're not in this position because the medical board or the counseling professionals board or the city of Hugo 
is not stewarding their funds correctly, right? And I don't think that it's fair for the state of Oklahoma to say, okay, we've got this huge hole. We're going to go snatch money from folks who have a, a you know better balanced bank account than we do, and we're going to use that to fill our coffers just because we can. You know, um, like I said, I, I started this out by saying I'm I don't have as much familiarity with revolving fund with the revolving funds issue that Representative Kelly was talking about as as you do, um, but my understanding of it mirrors just what you're what what you're saying. Um, and then this idea that that we heard today again specifically, I'm not. I'm not trying to harp on Representative Calvi. If he wants to come on the pod and talk about this with us, that would be He doesn't. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. But if but but if he does, if he wants if he would like to come on the pod and talk and detail the the corruption that he's talking about, I would I would I would love to learn more about that. Um but one of the thing he one of the things he went off about today was that yeah, you know, that the Oklahoma State government is just just full of corruption. And if you just eliminated all the corruption, this budget hole wouldn't exist. And and I I don't see any evidence that that's true. Um. Yeah, I. He he turns out next year. I'm going. I've heard that he's planning to run for some other state office, like a corporation commission position, and that he's got aspirations of the federal level. So we've got some time. So. He said "drain the swamp" at least six times today during debate. So <laughs> I assume he's wanting a appointment in the Trump administration, but I don't. He's know. been in the state legislature for eleven years, and he's like, "I'm gonna drain the swamp." Also. That goes back to a previous discussion. Anyway, I'm going to get off my Calvary soapbox. I don't normally call out members of the legislature. There are many, many very good public servants. They don't get paid a whole lot. This is a tough job. They can make tough decisions. And, and and I think it bears, you know, I was, you know, cursing both in my head and out loud watching my, twi- my Twitter feed today, seeing that the bill wasn't going to pass. Um, and I really felt like it it needed to because I think it's going to hurt a lot of people that it that it didn't. But I also I think that this was a very hard vote. I think this was a hard vote for a lot of people. I think it's yeah. easy. It is easy for me. It's easy for me to sit on the outside, not having the pressure of holding elected office, and say, "Well, obviously this is the right thing to do." And I think this, I think this is a theme that we come back to frequently on the podcast, right? That like. That we we it's really easy to armchair quarterback this kind of stuff. Do you sure, know what I mean? Like sure. it's really easy to say do the right thing and the right thing is X Y and Z. Um, but I think for people that actually hold the office, it's not always as clear what the right thing is. And I think that there were a lot of members of the legislature that took really really hard votes today, both for and against the measure. So I I do want to point out something that um, one that uh, leader floor leader Eccles or majority leader whatever his title is now yeah. I think he's floor, um, floor leader right, right? Uh, I think he's the majority leader not floor uh, leader I anyway I can't keep track sorry John so I was, uh, I was please still come on the pod <laughs> yes I was talking with uh, with I think it was floor you know was it was just a leader Eccles um, earlier this evening. And we'd hope to have him on the pod tonight. Um, and he said, I'm, I'm pretty down in the dumps at the moment. I don't know if I'd be a great guest. Uh, let me do it again when I'm back to myself. And I, I, will, I want to publicly say I have hassled Representative Eccles since the spring trying to get him to hear the gross production tax issue. I thought, and it may have been a different vote today if these have been heard individually, but I've been saying like, you know, listen, like you've got to at least put it for a vote. He said it wouldn't pass. And I said it might not, but you've got to try. Let's get we, it on record. We, the people, want to know who's voting up or down on this deal. And I get that it's different when it's a combination than it is when it's um, uh, individual bills, but it goes both ways. Uh, and so I, I told him uh, on a text, and I said it earlier on uh, Facebook as well, I do appreciate that this bill finally went for a vote. I don't know that that is much of a choice, but there it is. They voted on it anyway, um, so that's something. Also, secondly, um, uh, Governor Fallon, you know, had a a press conference. Oh, Jesus, everyone did. Um, everyone had a press conference. The Dems had already scheduled theirs before they even had debated the bill, uh, and so her statement came out this evening as well. And in something that that Eccles said and something that Governor Fallon said a couple of times that they 
They don't think it's dead. Is that what you're going to say? They don't think it's entirely yeah, that, dead. And so, so they she could says, vote on this again. As a result, worst case scenarios could become a reality for several agencies that are being forced to cut crucial services if the pending revote fails. Um, and so I'm interested. So I think, you know, as we kind of start the uh, winding down process here, um, that there is the chance. So what, kind of what happens next, right? Well, they could re-vote on this. They could inject this language into a different bill and vote again. Yeah, yeah. So they could vote They could vote on this bill again. Um, they could, one thing that I know Leader Eccles um, put out there was to potentially vote on these things as individual measures, right? So also just full disclosure, I said measure earlier because <laughs> if you listen, like if you go to the Capitol and listen to debate in person or you like watch the live feed, the gentleman that sits in the speaker's chair when the speaker's not there, which is all the time, he like talks about these bills and then he says measure, but he doesn't say measure. He says measure and it drives me a little bit up the wall because it's not measure. It's measure. It's one of those coastal elites. I mean, I've so never you, lived on you, the. Co- I've li- I have literally spent my entire life within twenty five minutes of this spot, and we're recording at twenty third and Classen. So, I mean, maybe I am a coastal elite. I don't know, but yeah. So, hey, um, Joe Dorman did. He just said the bill was held on recon- uh, reconsideration for up to three legislative days, so they could hear it again before Friday. Right, and well, and even legislative days aren't necessarily calendar days. Those are just days they go into session. So if the House doesn't go into session again until next Monday, that's the first legislative day. So they've got three days they gavel in that they could hear it again. Oh, so we could sit for the next five days waiting if they're going to do anything. God, yes. Twitter's going to be so much fun. I'm so exhausted, and I think they all are too. Oh, that's, um, that's, a, that's a 100% fact. We, So this really all needs to be done by... December 1st, because that's when they've got to roll out cuts. Yeah, and so and December 1st, the other thing is, so um, we've talked about that revenue measures can't start actually collecting revenue until uh, 90 days after they've been signed by the governor, but there's also something about having to start at the beginning of the month. So, like, right, like, if they pass today, they can start March 1st, but if they don't pass it by the end of November, I think November like 28th, 29th, then it becomes April 1st. Like there's this window in which they can pass stuff and still start collecting revenue on the 1st of March. And we don't want to let that window pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And again, this gets into fairly arcane rules about how government works that you only know if you've worked in and around government for some time, this is this gets to the issue of term limits, and that sometimes folks who may be new to the legislative process don't fully understand the implications of waiting or pushing or taking more time to address some of these things. Right. Um, the the other thing besides just term limits is what we mentioned earlier: state question six forty. And I really think today, <laughs> Scott kind of. His eyes flutter back in his head. I think today... If we're going to talk about 640, we're going to have to open a whole other bottle of whiskey. Well, and um, so this is where I thought we might start the, the episode, and maybe this is where we ended, is that... So we discussed this several episodes ago, but state question 640 is um, the legislation that was passed in 1992 that requires all revenue measures to pass both chambers with a 75% majority. So in the House of Representatives, which has 101 members, that means they have to get 76 votes in order for it to pass. Which, which, which by the way, like, I'm getting agitated now that, you're, now, now, now that you're talking about this. Like, we've been talking the whole episode about how the measure, measure, the measure failed. It didn't actually fail, right? So this bill passed the House of Representatives with 72% voting in favor in literally every other circumstance literally i mean literally not hashtag literally not not air quotes literally actual literally every other circumstance that's enough that's enough to override a veto it's enough to sustain a veto it's enough to pass any other bill it's the only thing in oklahoma that a 72 percent i vote threshold is not sufficient to do 
is raise taxes. And that's because of state question 640 passed in 1992. And for those playing the home game, when is the last time the Oklahoma state legislator passed a tax increase? 1994? 90. 90. Oh, before 640. Yeah. Okay. I thought they did it. I thought they did it once before. But I maybe thought it was not. nine. Maybe it was 94. It's, it's, it's been a long friggin' time. I've only okay? paid attention for the last year. Um, so yeah, so you, you say exactly what I was going to say is that state question 640 passed in 92 has defined our ability to raise taxes. And I get it at the beginning. It was an easy sell, right? Like the bill made it more difficult for the legislator to raise our taxes. Everyone supports that. We don't, most people don't want the government to easily raise your taxes. However, they made it like too difficult, right? They could have just bumped it up to a two thirds majority, which is like 67 votes, like most difficult things. But they made it 75%, which is a really difficult threshold because then it allows just a handful of, you know, like two dozen legislators to control whether or not you can pass something. And as we saw today, it was a, it was a, a landslide. Um, well, it was a landslide that if in you, literally any other, any other circumstance. Okay. If you talk about, if you talk about like a presidential election, right? If you had a presidential election where one person got 72% of the vote, right? They're clearly the winner. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I have no idea when the last time that happened. Kennedy maybe? I mean maybe. He won, a, he won with less than 70 I think, but like uh, he won a, a really commanding victory. I mean it's I mean it might be I, actually I think I think if, are you talking pop, popular voter electoral college? Because if it's electoral uh, college I think the last time it happened I mean Roosevelt so FDR won with 98% of the electoral votes. Whoa. Oh, that's that's di- that, that's 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 dictator level numbers, right? That that's like Stalin level numbers. Which, that was one of his four terms. He was a good guy. Um Reagan won the most electoral votes of any president in history. So Roosevelt won 98%, 98.5% not the only lopsided one. Reagan won with 97, again, 97.6, 98%. Um, electoral so, votes or popular vote? Electoral votes. Um, this is all that I'm, whatever website I found here is all electoral votes. Well, um, I mean, I mean, Barack Obama, I don't, know that, I don't know that Barack Obama ever got, I don't, I don't remember his percentage, his popular vote percentage off the top of my head, but I don't think he ever was over 55. Yeah. I mean, even Bill Clinton, and when he beat Bob Dole, got 379 uh, versus 159. Gosh, Nixon won pretty handedly, too. I forgot about that. But anyway, all, all that to say, a se- getting 72% of members to vote in favor of something, like, that's that's like, you know, confirming Secretary of the Interior type numbers, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's a huge margin. But in Oklahoma, it's not good enough for a tax increase. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the deal is that. This is really getting in the way. And so I know last session, um, uh, Representative uh, Monroe Nichols ran a bill to try to get this overturned, and it was not even heard, which is kind of nuts that they wouldn't even hear it. I mean, I get why, but I disagree. Um, and so you know, the speaker has identified this as being one of the issues. Um, so like right now on Twitter, this is a discussion. Um, and... I think people are starting to realize, like, you know what? Like, we don't want to make it easy to raise taxes on both sides of the aisle. No one wants to make it easy, but we don't want to make it impossible. And that's where it is. Um, how, correct me if I'm wrong. Because state question 640 was a constitutional amendment, it would have to go back to a vote of the people to be repealed, right? Right. The legislature, the legislature cannot undo 640. No, they could, they could pass a, a bill that would send it like a referendum that would send it to the ballot which is what they did with some of the ballot measures last year so i really think 2018 might shape up to be another state question ballot initiative heavy ballot which could be interesting like there could be some really huge changes right we've got the we've got the seven percent gpt from oepa right provided they get the signatures right um we've got um open primaries potentially Potentially, we've got nonpartisan uh, redistricting commission. Potentially, potentially. right? Man, repeal of six forty. Those are four. I mean, this if would all the, if, if all four the, and then medical marijuana, as always. Right. Which, if we've got all five of those on the ballot in twenty eighteen, that would be a whole new world. <laughs> okay, I think that's just. 
Um, our recording stopped earlier when we discussed Broadway shows. <laughs> we, 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 had, we had like a we had like a ten minute discussion on my love of Broadway and propensity for um, crying easily, and you guys missed all of it. Stupid technology. Has Aladdin been on Broadway? Is that a Broadway thing? Are you like? Are you seriously asking me this question right now? Yep. Yes. We watched the Tonys together. You know how little I know about. Okay, Aladdin has been on Broadway for a number of years. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The the gentleman who plays the genie has won a Tony for his performance. Great. Yeah, yeah. It is. It it is great. I'm sure it is. I really like it. Andrew, it it is fantastic. Actually, (laughs) listen. You know that I like these things. I'm just not up on it as much as some others. Um, broad, you know, uh, for those uh, again, those playing the home game, Broadway musicals are one of my absolute favorite things. We were talking about movies we'd seen in the theater uh, randomly, and I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned to Andy the last three movies I've seen in the theater were in order. Uh, so I saw La La Land, which I enjoyed, but actually had mixed feelings about. Like it, overall, it was entertaining. Here's my deal with La La Land. Okay, is it a, is it a good movie? Yes. Do I love the story? Yes. Do I love the soundtrack? Yes. I love the production. I love the cinematography. But if you're going to write a musical for the screen and you want an old school 1950s style kind of Broadway musical, but instead of on stage, on film, why do you hire Emma Stone? Okay. Don't you dare. What? I really like her. I, I like her too, but my but the fact that I like her doesn't mean <laughs> that she can sing. Well, no, but as everyone just heard, I can't sing either. Yes, but no one is hiring you to play the lead in a musical. That's true. I'm severely underpaid. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, um, but but no, the, I just had I had I had issues. Like there are so there are so many fantastic actors out there who have monster voices, and I don't understand why you wouldn't pick someone like that. Like why why you wouldn't cast someone like that for that role? So anyway, I saw La La Land. Um, and then I saw uh, prior to that Beauty and the Beast, which Andy apparently didn't even know was now a live action feature. If you haven't seen it, you should go see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I just didn't see it. Which is also, I mean, I don't know. You didn't know. You didn't see it. It's the same. No, those are different things. <laughs> I know that Russia is a country. I have never seen it in person. Uh, it's uh, if if you've not seen the live action Beauty and the Beast, you absolutely should. Prior to that, the last movie I saw in the theater was uh, Into the Woods. So. Again, the theme would be, I go to the movies when there are good musicals. That's good. Yeah, I mean, everyone's their thing. I uh, the last movie I I don't know what the last movie was I saw. Maybe Star Wars. No, I've seen one since then. Rogue One or yeah, all the new Star Wars, except okay. not those, not Episode One, Two, and Three. Those were terrible. But the Seven, Eight, Nine, whatever we're on now. Those one, were... Two, and Three. They did, they did make me sad. I didn't see Three. It was just too much. Um, but I really haven't gone to the theater much, um, because except you're for at, at the, the well, no, but at the museum, the Museum of Art, I've seen a number of films there. Like I'm not uh-huh. Negro was sure. a great one, and then um, so we saw this weekend. Actually, we went to the Museum of Art and we saw Loving Vincent. Oh dang it, we were gonna go, dude! It's so good. Dang. It is so. Shoot, don't say it that. It is so. So good because they're not. It's not. It's done now. We were. Yeah, say it's that. done. Well, um, uh, just a quick, pl- quick uh, plug. Um, the next show that's going to be on at the uh, Oklahoma City MOA Museum of Art, Human Flow, um, looks incredible. What's it about? Um, so based on I, I haven't I haven't I've seen the trailer, but I've not read the synopsis. But um, based on the trailer, it's refugees. So it's like looking at. Refugees from ISIS, uh, refugees from several of the African nations that are in kind of flux in terms yeah. of um, uh, lots of the migrants that are kind of truly fantastic. Uh, I think Ashley and I are going to go see it next week. Yeah, where are we? we uh, where, where are we? We are, we are still on the precipice, the precipice of devastating cuts to a number of agencies that care for some of the most vulnerable citizens in our state. So... So um, what do you think is going to happen next, Scott? I th- I mean, from what Eccles is saying and what Governor Fallon is saying, I think this may come back for a vote. Do you think they can come up with those five votes? So I think they can. And here's Here, this here's is ideal. There's only 25, 26 people or whatever left. Right. The 22 of them or so are in that platform right. caucus. The chances of getting them to flip is tiny. And I don't think that like Corey Williams and Proctor and some of those will flip either. 
I, 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 I I hear you. I hear you. One might be the top. It may be, but I also think this, and this is getting a little, this is really getting to some inside baseball, but so I think what happened and you and I talked about this before the pod came on, what we have heard repeatedly throughout session, a special session, rather um, speaker McCall has said, if the Dems would deliver 75% of their caucus, he would deliver 75% of his, the vote opened today. And unexpectedly, I mean, unexpectedly, the 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 Democratic caucus threw eighty two percent of their votes up on the board. Like immediately, they had twenty three of their twenty eight member caucus in favor of the measure. And I don't know that the House leadership expected that. I don't think that they were prepared for that. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that in advance of today's vote, one because of how rapidly it came about, given that the Senate passed this measure yesterday, and two, because they didn't think that the Dems had the votes. I don't know how aggressively they whipped this. So I think give it a couple of days, give them a chance to talk, maybe give the Democratic caucus a chance to talk amongst themselves. Maybe, maybe they talk to each other. I think there's, I, I think there's a legitimate chance they find that they can find five votes to pass so? this. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, it's not a slam dunk by any means, but I think there's, I ha- I have to believe that there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Indeed, I'm in, I'm 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 in I'm invoking the cable guy that there that there that there could be a chance. Dumb and dumber. Oh, dost thou not know their Jim Carrey history? <laughs> You're right. And I even knew Bumblebee Tuna in you. That was a good one too. That was Ace Ventura too. I watched that last week. I like that we've uh, devolved into Broadway and Ace Ventura references from twenty or thirty years ago. So anyway, I'll, I'll just say I think I think uh, I think the measure comes back for another vote. I think that it could pass. I'm not saying it will, but I think it could. The, I mean, the other thing is there's 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 the measures that the House has passed, right? right? That the Senate has not heard, and and no matter what happens with House Bill ten ten fifty four X, right? Um, no matter what happens with ten fifty four, the Senate needs to take those measures up and pass them. Ooh, so that's a debate. Is that the even not a debate, but uh, a, an interesting point is that if the Senate passes those cash and cuts bills, and the House passes the big tobacco, the big uh, revenue bill, even if both chambers passed all of those bills, we still wouldn't really that would fill the hole for this year, right? And put us on better footing for next year, right? But not great. But we would still be way below what we were like a decade ago, right? And well, I, and so I, you know, there's this argument that like we, our government needs to be smaller, and I get that. And there's certainly some waste out there. There's waste in every business and every organization and every state agency. And I disagree that you know, or I don't disagree. I think that there are ways that we could run more efficiently. Like that's kind of uh, one of my one of my bailiwicks, but. Um, did you the, just throw out Bailiwick? It's a good word. It's a great word. Also, it's funny to me because it's the name of a character on Sophia the First, which my the TV show for kids that my daughter loves, kind of cartoon. Um, Isn't it also a character in David Copperfield? Mm, I have no idea. You know David Copperfield? I've heard about it. I've not read it. Novel, Charles Dickens. Yes. Circa 1860, 1870. Okay, his, uh, I didn't always read all my stuff in school. In high school. Were you a Cliff Notes guy? No, I just didn't read. <laughs> you didn't read the Cliff Notes. I, mean, I, just I didn't read. skimmed it and I got an A, but that was... <laughs> I had other... I put my energy towards classes that I cared about, and that was not one of them. You didn't care about English literature? No, I didn't. I do now. I just Jesus. didn't when I was 16. Back then I cared about architecture and computer-aided design and AutoCAD, mostly. <laughs> the Beastie Boys working at subway beastie boys okay yeah. fixing up my 84 pontiac bonneville oh nice bum, 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 bum. nice bum, 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 bum. anyway continue not your bailey way your sound effects for the episode <laughs> all right so that brings us to the end of the episode whether we need it or not uh reminder you can connect with us on twitter and instagram we are at let's fix this okay Scott is at SC Melson on Twitter, and I am at Andy OKC. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Our website is let's fix this okay.org. And 
on there. You can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, find details about upcoming events, including the West Wing Weekly Watch Party, which will be tomorrow. Shibboleth. will likely be before you actually listen to this episode, depending on when you get edited. Anyway, our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And let's pod this as a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music is provided by the local band, our friends and yours, the Sugar Free All-Stars. As a reminder, Let's Fix This is a non-partisan, non-profit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up.